Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, it's Friday and you are in luck. Dr. Judy Jasek is with us today. How are you, hey. Dr. Jasek? I'm doing good. Doing good. You know, rolling through the holidays, shoveling snow, you know, oh, yeah. winter in Colorado. Yeah, got up this morning like... Huh, I didn't think we were supposed to get a foot of snow. <laughs> Guess we better get busy. <laughs> oh, I know. Rick was so excited. He got the uh, four wheeler out with the, uh, you know, with the show, uh, the snow uh, blade on it. And uh, he was having himself a good time. Oh, but it's heavy. Boys and it's, their toys. Huh? I know. It's heavy snow this time of year, yeah. though. Super heavy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, our truck was out delivering, you know, last night and people were calling, hey, is the truck going to deliver? You know, we have never, ever missed a delivery never wow you're like the postal yeah. service snow sleet <laughs> rain shine wait wait are they still i'm thinking that we've surpassed the postal <laughs> you, service you probably now. have you're probably definitely more punctual <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy and up here um the, you know people live in uh, up in the mountains, I live on roads that don't have any uh, lights or anything like that. So sometimes our home delivery service can't get to them. But uh, but yeah, we'll take it. We'll take yeah. it with the nature and everything that we have going on. Just do the best you can, right? Yeah. So speaking of nature, I had this question from um, somebody today who asked me this. We were talking about the lepto vaccine. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk a little bit more about vaccines a little bit later. But here was the question about the leptospirosis bacteria. Is, is that the right word? Pro, uh, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. So if your dog were to smell, sniff the pee of an infected animal, would they get leptospirosis or is it something that they must consume? Because... If you smell it, it does go into the, what is it called? The, the musculo, the musk, the mucus membrane. Mucus, mucus membranes, right? Yeah. Um, but is that the same? What do you think about no, that? I think okay. not. I mean, this is actually, I think it's technically like a spirochete or something. It's some sort of variation on a microorganism, not exactly a bacteria, but anyway, my understanding is it needs to like, they need to get the urine on their mucous membrane, or it has to go in through a, like a cut, like if they had a cut in their skin and they went into water where there was contaminated urine, that, um, that might do it, or they have to actually get it like on their mucous membranes, the actual urine. I don't see how they're going to breathe this in. It is not airborne as far as I know. So I would say, no, it's not possible. All right. So don't worry about it. Don't worry there's, about it. There's plenty of other stuff to worry about. Don't worry about lepto. Just don't give the vaccine. 
man. Oh man. All right. So I have a sweet pet parent that's got some issues with her dog. And as you know, as you do, as we all do, we ask a lot of questions. So typically the question comes in like this. I have this issue. Uh, what should I be doing for this issue? Right? So we have to back up and we have to say, well, tell me every single thing. Tell me every single thing that is going into your dog's body. And let's see if we can uh, take a look at it from there. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So here is... Let me see if I can get this. Um, Here is the issue. The issue is itchy paws. Okay. Itchy paws. Well, when I see, uh, oh, and, and, and the, and let me back up. The question usually goes like this. I've been feeding raw for a long time, uh, Mm -hmm. but now I've got these itchy, itchy paws. My vet says I need to take them off of raw and put them on a prescription diet uh, so that their paws aren't itchy. And I'm like, well, I would love to understand the reasoning behind that. But since I can't uh, get them, you know, to tell me that, just tell me, you know, what's going into the dog's body. All right. Dog's eating raw. Dog's got itchy paws. Here's what is going into the dog's body. There's a... um uh, supplement, a probiotic uh, that they're giving. Uh, provable, I think is the name of the brand. I've never heard of it. Uh, but this is going into the body because this dog has been on um, three rounds. Let's see. He's been on antibiotics three times this year. Oh, three geez. times. Okay. So now we want um, these probiotics to try to combat the problems with the antibiotics. He also is bathed um, at least twice a month. That's a lot of bathing, okay? Mm-hmm. And and they do uh, wipe his paws at night with hypoallergenic wipes. But here's where it really gets interesting. On vaccines, they do the standard vaccines, the standard protocol, including lepto and bordetella. They mm-hmm. do heartworm, flea and tick, um, and... They've been on the same food for almost a year, which is the Senior Pro, which is a beef tripe chicken feet. Okay, so we could have a food sensitivity. However, um, they the 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 blood work was done and everything looks good. All right, but the question is always: I'm doing all these toxins. <laughs> I'm doing all this stuff. Um, should I take him off the raw? And I am like, that's probably the cleanest thing that you're doing. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, what, what do you, oh, and they also are doing cytopoint. Hmm. Cytopoint. And they also are doing other treats that are not our treats. Um, they look decent, decent. Um, so what do you think about all that? What would you say? Uh, would you take them off the raw diet? No, I'd take them off all the stuff that's poisoning the dog, like the especially the vaccines. I mean, vaccines are so inflammatory to the body in general. And like we were talking about earlier, I'm seeing all these ads now for all these new versions of vaccines and different formulations. And they're saying, oh, they're safer and all this and all that. And I can guarantee you they are not testing these things. We have no 
idea what we are putting into pets. If you're using some new technology, your veterinarian says, oh, we got some new technology. It's really safe. Do not believe it. I mean, if you were going to do a shot, you're better off doing something that's been at least been out on the market 20 years and isn't killing pets. Because what happens with a lot of this new technology is it comes out and then they realize that there's side effects and then they'll pull it off the market. Well, don't make your pet a guinea pig, you know, get, get, you know, I mean, I wouldn't do the vaccines at all, but I'd probably be better to do something that's been out there for a while, but definitely stopping the vaccines and then all the other stuff that it's on, you know, if it's on flea and tick, that's a harsh pesticide that is just hammering the gut. So then we don't have good gut health and we probably have something like a leaky gut. So, you know, this is where, you know, um, food molecules, molecules are absorbed into the bloodstream before they're completely broken down because the gut is so inflamed and then you're going to get all kinds of sensitivities. And so, yeah, the first thing I would do would be to stop poisoning the dog and it isn't the raw that's poisoning it. And you put that dog on kibble and you better just plan on, you know, itchy feet for the rest of the dog's life because it isn't going to get better. Yeah, it's uh, you're more than likely going to see cancer in this dog. Yep, and it'll in, get worse. Yep, in this protocol, and yet their vet told them if they wanted to stop the itchy feet, they need to get off raw and get on prescription diets. Okay, you and I have talked about prescription diets, so we're blue in the face. They are just grocery store foods, guys. They are yep. branded so that the vet community, the veterinarian uh, industry can sell those foods at a higher profit. They figured out, Big Pharma figured out a way to push more of their food with an authoritarian voice, right? Get your dog on a prescription diet. It's just grocery store kibble. Yeah. Read the, just read the ingredients. I mean, just read, the, compare the labels. There, There's very little difference between your grocery store bag of Karina or whatever pedigree or whatever it is and these expensive prescription diets you know i mean it's there's very little difference nutritionally the big difference is they the prescription just cost a whole lot more and you think it's better because your vet's recommending it but nutritionally it's just garbage you know we we have a um help i'm overwhelmed button on our website <laughs> and i will say dr jasic that 8 out of 10 eight out of 10 of those that come in the issues that their pet is experiencing are itching and allergies and the food that they're on is blue Buffalo or some type of kibble, right? Mm -hmm. And they're also on Apoquil. So guys, listen, if you're on kibble, your dog more than likely is going to experience that, which looks like allergies itching, skin problems. Um, and all you're doing with the Apoquil is suppressing that. You're not fixing it. All you have to do is change their food. And then you don't have to pay for Apoquil. And then you don't have to have a dog that has cancer down the road. Right. And I will tell you that Apoquil, it is so hard to get dogs off of it. Once they're on it and we start to wean them off and we get just such a big flare up. 
um, we just get this huge rebound of, of symptoms when we try to get them off because it's such a powerful suppressant and it's marketed that it's safe because it's not a steroid. It is not safe. I would rather, if I had to control itchy skin, like symptomatically, sometimes we just do. The dogs are just so itchy that we just have to give them some relief while we're changing the food and introducing other things to help. And I would rather use prednisone on a, you know, couple weeks reducing dose just to help get the dog comfortable, get the inflammation down and under control than something like Apical. I would never touch the stuff. I, it just, it is so hard on their bodies and it is so hard to get them off of it once they're, once they're on it. So don't believe what you hear that it's safe because it's not a steroid. I, and more comfortable would be more comfortable using a steroid if I had to use something for symptomatic relief because I know how it acts in the body and I know I can put a dog on it and get the symptoms controlled and then we immediately start to wean it back off while the herbs and the other things we're doing the diet change because those things take longer to see an effect and sometimes we just need to give some relief to the situation but I I would I would never use Apical. I'd, I'd never use Cytopoint either. I just have no use. Cytopoint is an injection that a lot of vets recommend and they say, it's, oh, it's super safe and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's not safe. And it usually stops working. I What I see is people will get a couple of those shots and it might help symptomatically and then it just kind of quits working. So don't, don't, don't waste your money on that stuff. And that stuff's expensive too. So don't, don't, don't even don't even go there. Don't buy the propaganda. Don't don't buy the marketing. Your dog's just going to get sicker in the long run. Well, that leads me to my next section that I want to talk about, and that is really how to change our beliefs, Doctor JC, because it's not easy. And I'm always shocked. I really am always shocked at uh, people that do raw for long periods of time they've invested in good food and yet they do these things that are counterproductive to pets health they would not do that if they didn't think or they didn't believe that they were doing the best thing for their pets i i don't know if there's an easy way to help people change their beliefs but if you we're going to go down this path and say, we got to help you understand uh, a different narrative. How would you suggest that people go about uh, wiping, deleting, changing the narrative in their heads? I think, I mean, the way, the way I approach this with people is, you know, just starting with a foundational approach, you know, to health, like what, so if you go into the vet and they just, you know, a conventional vet and they want to give you a prescription, something for your dog's itching, I mean, I would ask them, what is this doing for my dog? If it's just treating the symptoms and it's it's not getting to the root cause of the problem. So I guess that's, you know, the difference is I think what are people's objectives? Do you just want these symptoms to go away? Well, of course they do, but if all is you're doing is addressing the symptoms and not the overall health of the animal, then you you get some symptomatic relief, but you're 
you're going to be dependent on whatever that is, that medication, going to be dependent on it for the rest of the dog's life because you're not treating anything and you are driving that inflammation deeper in the body and it's going to turn into a more serious disease. I've seen this many times, you know, we end up treating cancer or something else because the body's inflamed and, you know, that inflammation should be a signal. You know, I guess it, it too comes down to how you look at symptoms. If you look at it like, oh, I just got to get my dog to stop itching. That's one thing. If you ask, well, why is my dog itching? What's going on? Why is my dog so inflamed? And then you start to break it down. And we talk about, you know, supplements and all these preventatives and all these things that are inflammatory for the body. You start looking at that. Well, what's the underlying root cause of this? And how can we start to balance the body and resolve it? And you're going to get a more, um, you know, a, a more lasting resolution of the problem rather than just symptomatic relief. So I think it you have to look at, you know, how, how do you view how do you view the symptoms? Just like a tumor, tumor pops up on a dog. Most people are like, oh my gosh, what if that's cancer? Got to get that tumor off of there. I look at it like this is a sign that this body is really out of balance, really inflamed, and we need to do something to treat this whole body and get it back in balance. Cause that tumor isn't the issue. The issue is that we've got some serious imbalances in the body and that's why the tumor showed up in the first place. So I think, you know, it's important to take a look at how you view symptoms and how you view what is showing up in your dog. And, you know, what's your long-term goal? If you just want symptoms to go away, that's easy. That's easy. You know, you could get a prescription to make a lot of different symptoms go away, but you're not going to be resolving anything. If you want long-term resolution, then you're going to have to put up with some symptoms and maybe some detox reactions and maybe some getting worse before they get better. It takes time, but if you ride that out and, you know, we get to the point of more resolution, not only do the symptoms go away, but your pet's going to be so much healthier for it. One of the questions that we ask on our surveys is what's your goal? Why? First, it is, um, and you can read these on the reviews on the website, but the question is this, what did you switch from? Okay. Uh, was it a cooked diet? Was it um, kibble? Was it another raw company? And then the next question is, what's your overall goal? Mm -hmm. And what's amazing to me is uh, people will say, all right, I'm switching over from kibble. Um, my overall goal is the best health. Okay, that's the first part of this uh, statement. Then I will get emails or comments or things that say, my dog doesn't like this blend. Um, and so they'll give it a bad review. But when you question them, they're mixing the kibble and the raw. Mm. Yeah. And so it's very confusing. It's like, well, if, if your goal is best health and I get it, people say it's a financial issue. 
there's a conflict there. There's definitely a conflict there. Um, I get it. It's a financial obligation, but you're not going to be able to achieve best health if you're going to mix kibble. You're just not. And then if, if the question is, what should I do about supplementation or should I change the raw or da, 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 just take the kibble out. It's so easy, but there is some sort of a belief that you can feed kibble and, and still get best health for your dog. It's just not going to be possible, Dr. Jasek. No, it's not because you're not eliminating the problem. If the kibble is part of the problem, even if you're just feeding a tiny amount, you're still going to have the problem. It, it really doesn't help to, to feed less kibble if the kibble is part of the problem. Yes, your dog would have some nutritional benefits from feeding the raw, right. but if you're not if you're not eliminating the problem, you're not going to get rid of you know the symptoms or whatever is showing up in your dog. And and I it just it baffles me that people say, well, I can't afford raw, but tell me what supplements I should feed because if you put the money that you were going to put into those supplements, I I. I think I need to start asking people like, well, how much, how much can you afford to spend on supplements every month and see what they say? Cause like, that's okay. Like they'll spend money on supplements, but the raw is too expensive. Well, how about if we don't feed the supplements and we just feed the raw, then maybe the raw would be affordable, but they get hooked down. Like supplements are okay. Like they'll go buy, you know, put their dog on 20 supplements, but putting that money into the raw isn't feasible. I, I really don't understand that. Why people would opt to just go buy supplements instead of just getting the dog on a better diet that doesn't need, doesn't need all those supplements. It does. It does that just that point of view does not make sense to me. No. And, 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 and again, I think if we're going to change any kind of belief, we have to ask questions and we have to keep asking questions because only when we ask questions, can we dig deeper and get to a deeper truth, right? So mm -hmm. if the question is, um, what is your ultimate goal? And the ultimate goal is the best health. Then what is going to bring about the best health? right? And what is a species appropriate diet going to cause versus a kibble diet? You know, I mean, there, to me, it's, and we've been doing it for so long, right? That it's easy, but I see that people struggle with this. And then you walk in and a vet says, if your dog has yeasty paws and they're itching, uh, we need to put them on a prescription diet. I mean, to me, Dr. Jasek, that is just, well, it's scandalous to me. They're playing with a, a pet parent's frustration, um, their emotions, and they can get them right then. Well, we're just going to put them on a prescription diet. And I said to this pet parent, I said, I would love to know um, how that vet can justify that comment. How how is that? How is this kibble diet going to stop the yeasty paws? You've already got them on Apoquil, right? right? Right, and then and I bet the vet couldn't answer that question. You know, I I, th I think you're exactly right. I, you know, 
people need to ask these questions to their vets. You know, they hear this information from us. And I know, you know, people get so confused because they hear this information here and then they go into their conventional vet and they hear a whole different story. Um, but they should ask, how how exactly does this work? Because I can guarantee you, most of the vets that would prescribe a prescription diet for yeasty paws, they don't have any idea. It's just, they've been told. They've been told at some conference, this is the diet you feed for skin stuff. They have no idea how it works. Like I would almost bet on it. If you challenge them and say, no, tell me how how this works. And I would, I would go over the ingredients with them and say, you know, how, how exactly is it that corn gluten meal helps my dog's itchy feet? You know, <laughs> I mean, I can guarantee you they wouldn't have an answer. They never even thought about it. Some, you know, sales rep just came in and told them, Hey, this is what, you, this is what you, this is what you feed dogs with itchy skin. And then they don't even have to think about the nutrition. So they don't, they don't even know. They, they really don't even know. But I think if people ask more questions and made the vets start thinking about it and challenging them a little bit, maybe they'd start thinking about it. I don't know, maybe not. And maybe, maybe they would just hope those people go someplace else, like come in to see me instead of going to see them. But, but I think asking questions, pushing, they're not used to people asking questions. They're used to people just doing what they're told and they tend to get a little cranky if you ask too many questions. They just want to send you out the door and get their next client. And so challenge them on it, make them think about it. Ask, ask why are they doing it? Because I would bet you in 99% of the cases, they don't have a clue. No. And, and which is very frightening um, with all the vaccines that are going on, right? So we see we see all of this information that is coming out uh, about the vaccines, the COVID-19 shots, um, how they are affecting people in, in many different ways, death from death to blood clots to um, the shaky, you know, like Bell's palsy type stuff. And it frightens me to death to think in the veterinary world, which is the same people that are in the um, uh, people vaccine world that we don't ask questions of our vets and that they can push this stuff over to the dogs. And we just take it as it's just something that happens. This 50 plus percent dogs getting cancer. And if that doesn't wake you up to say, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I'm just not going to go in for that yearly, you know, thing, that yearly jab or that, you know, put those monthly pills in my dogs because it, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. It doesn't make sense. And if all this stuff was working, I mean, vaccines and these prescription diets have been the recommendations for a long time. For, for decades. I mean, there's more food companies now and there's more vaccines. But when I got out of vet school, we were trained to feed. It was mostly hills back then. But, you know, it's, you know, our nutrition training was which prescription diet to sell. That's it. And it hasn't, it hasn't changed. So if this is also great, why are cancer rates going up? Because the rates of cancer have changed. They've gone up tremendously in the last 30 years. 
But the way we're treating really hasn't, except for, you know, more different versions of prescription diets and more vaccines. So if dogs keep getting more and more cancer, shouldn't we be looking at what we're doing? Say, hmm, maybe, maybe we need to do something differently. That's, that's what I did. That was my wake up. Like, well, dogs keep getting sicker. Clearly what we're doing isn't working. Why more vets don't see it that way? I don't have a clue. I don't know how they cannot see it. It's right in front of their eyes and their practices day after day after day. Pets getting sick after vaccinations and pets not getting better on these prescription diets and needing more drugs. They they have to see it. And, and it's almost like this just is their practice model. Though they just keep coming in and just give them more drugs and more Apoquil and more antibiotics and Till one day they get cancer and then they refer them off to the oncologist and they die. And that's the life of a lot of pets. And it's really sad. It's really, really sad. Yeah, I, there, there should be a way that we could test how toxic a pet is, right? So you got flea and tick and you got heartworm and you've got the lepto and you've got the all these different vaccines. There should be a test that says your toxic level is off the freaking charts. Well, there is that, um, you know, VDI labs, they have, it, it measures inflammatory markers, which I think would likely go up with toxicity. They measure CRP, which is C-reactive protein, this thymidine kinase and vitamin D. And those are supposed to indicate inflammation in the body and inflammation is going to be the precursor. They actually have a, they call it a cancer screening test or cancer risk test because of the, if their level of inflammation is really high, then, you know, theoretically the risk of getting cancer or some other disease, autoimmune or something is also going to go up. So that would be something that you could do. And maybe that would be a wake-up call for some people if they saw those numbers go up. Maybe it'd be a wake-up call for the vets. I don't know. I don't really know what it takes to get medical professionals to, you know, wake up and realize that they need to be doing something differently. But maybe maybe numbers on a lab test would help. I, I don't know. So just to help our listeners, why is inflammation such a precursor to chronic disease? Well, because I think it means that the systems, the, the systems in the body, and especially like the immune system, like the regulatory systems are kind of in overdrive, I guess is the way I would look at it. It's like, it's like the body is so toxic. Like you mentioned, like, how do we find out if the body is toxic well, if the body is really toxic and it's trying to detox, trying to get things out, but it can't, then we're going to see inflammation, which basically is, you know, cells are getting damaged. Tissues are getting damaged. The body just, it's, it's like a sign that the body cannot maintain balance in the state it's in. So it appears as inflamed, but it's, that's like a warning sign. The body's like, I can't deal with these toxins. I can't process this food. It's just causing inflammation. And so nothing in the body works appropriately. So your liver isn't going to work well and your kidneys aren't going to work well and your heart isn't going to be healthy. So nothing 
is going to work well when the body cannot eliminate um, toxins. I think a lot of it just does come down to toxic exposures and the body just can't handle them. You know, there's, there's a lot of toxins in the environment that, you know, our pets are exposed to. And if they, if we're not putting toxic foods in their body and toxic substances like vaccines and other preventatives, then they can handle more of those environmental toxins. But when they're just, their body's just overloaded with these toxic chemicals, um, then it just gets to the point where the cells and, and literally, I mean, I think this is what can happen with cancer is the cells just get so toxic that they actually just change. It's like a survival mechanism. They just can't keep going in the state they're in because they're so sick and so toxic. And then they actually turn into a malignant cell, which then can just grow without any sort of like it escapes the regulatory normal regulatory mechanisms like cells are kind of programmed to live for a certain amount of time and then die or cells like if in an uh, organ cells would stop growing at a certain point you know once like an an organ is formed is like a baby is growing but with tumors they just grow out of control because they've escaped all those mechanisms, but it could be like a, uh, like a last ditch survival effort for, for the cells. Um, another theory about cancer is that tumors are walling off toxins. So they form because there's so much toxicity in the body. The body forms these tumors to kind of get the, you know, Tom Cowan calls tumors, the body's garbage can. Like, I don't, I got too much garbage in my body. I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to stick it in the garbage can, which ends up being a tumor. Um, so, but I think, you know, again, toxicity and inflammation, I think are really leading causes of, of cancer and tumor formation. Yeah. And, and it, continuing to add in toxin is just asinine people. It's sphincter thinking. Okay. It's sphincter thinking. So if your dog is already in a compromised state, we can't keep adding stuff into it and hope that they get better. You know, I'm wondering at what point, Dr. Jasek, we realize that the way that we treat cancer, even for people, is going in the wrong direction. When you think about cancer and chemo, right? You treat somebody with chemo and they're so weak and their white blood cells are being killed. How does the body bounce back from all of that poison when you've already got cancer in your body? Something about that does not make sense to me. Right. You have a condition that's, you know, at it at its root, you know, has toxicity, you know, was caused by toxicity of some sort. And so what do you do? So you poison the body more. Now, could you potentially kill some of those cancer cells. Sure. But what are you doing to the rest of the body? You are just wiping it out. I, I just, I don't see, I don't see any use for chemotherapy. I just never see good long-term benefits. I just see pets get sick and their quality of life is so bad. I mean, I, 
and I don't really even see it extending life. I, I see that pets, um, when they're on, you know, put on a good diet and we do some herbs for support, they at least feel better for some period of time. Sometimes it can be a long time, might be a couple of years, other pets, you know, depending on what stage we're starting at, how far advanced things are, they may only go maybe a couple of months, but they have a good quality of life. They feel good. They're usually out doing things they enjoy, maybe not quite as active as they used to be. But the dogs, but the dogs on on chemo, I mean, you can just look in their eyes. They just feel awful. You know, they just, they don't have energy. A lot of times they have diarrhea. They stop eating. I mean, you can just tell, you can just, you can just tell the toxicity in their body. You can, you can almost just see it in their eyes. And to me, that's just, that's not fair to, that's not fair to a pet. And you're just not, you're not gaining anything and they don't have better longevity. And as soon as you stop that chemo, cancer is going to come back. It's coming back with a vengeance because you've wiped out any hope of the body getting on top of the cancer at that point. So it's, it's really, it's a death sentence. You know, it might, you might see some visible sign of tumor shrink, shrinking or with like lymphoma patients, lymph node size might go down, but then you're always going to get that rebound effect. And then they're done. Then they're done. They just, cause their bodies have, have nothing left to fight with at that point. You know, the, the question would be, how do I, um, Stop the cancer from growing, but support the body, which is what you talk about all the time. That's the -hmm. advice that you give, not how do I weaken the body by poisoning it when I've already got this cancer going on. And as much money as we have put into cancer research, everybody does cancer drives. Why the heck can't they figure this thing out? Oh, they don't want to figure it out. They want, they want to keep selling chemotherapy. I mean, the last thing that the pharmaceutical companies want, they don't want to cure cancer. They want to keep treating cancer patients because they make a grundle of money doing it. And that is how corrupt and sad our system is. And I'm sure there's people that don't want to believe that that's where their veterinarian is coming from. And Maybe they're not, you know, they're not the one making the drugs, but this is how they've been, what they've been trained to recommend that this is standard of care. And this is the way you treat cancer patients. But if, if they were really interested in a cure, this information is out there using herbs and plant medicine to fight cancer. That's been around for thousands of years. Things like mistletoe or ozone, these things I use, none of these things are new. This isn't newfangled stuff. It's been around a lot longer than these newfangled drugs they're using. But why do they use the drugs? Because they make money, you know, and things don't make sense. And you're like, well, how could this be? You know, you follow the money and yeah, the system just is that corrupt and that sick that they will sacrifice lives, you know, for the, for the bottom line. I think I heard on the COVID shot, it's like a thousand, like a thousand percent markup or something like that on each one of each one of these shots. That's how much money the companies are making billions, billions and billions and billions. They're not concerned about health or, you know, people getting well. There's, there's way more money in creating clients for life 
which means you keep people or pets sick. So they have to keep coming in the door for their drug refills. That's why, why is Apical so popular? Well, I mean, they could sell prednisone for a lot cheaper. It's pennies for something like prednisone. It would still suppress the symptoms. If you're going to just do something to suppress itchy skin symptoms, prednisone would work just as well. Why these Apical? Because they make a whole lot more money selling it. It's, it's extremely expensive. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a business model. It is not a health model anymore. It really is this profit-driven business model. Man, it's, it's just, it just is beyond me. Um, it, what, what is going on? I mean, uh, and how they decide this stuff and who, uh, it's, it's beyond me, but I think if people can just get this through their heads, you cannot poison the body. At some point, the toxic load is going to blow. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just going to, you can't, it can't get out anymore. We can't have any more diarrhea. We can't have any more vomiting. We can't have any more fever. We can't have any more chills, right? We can't have any more, you know, skin irritations going on. And and think about it. I mean, all right, you got all these toxins in. Now we have the body trying to get rid of it. And our pet parents are saying, no, 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 no. We can't have you vomiting. No, no, no. You can't potty. We can't have these skin lesions. We got to have a drug to push it back down. Right. And, and I hope that people will hear me when we say that and say, you are pushing that back down because you can't stand to see your dog vomiting or having diarrhea. Right. Exactly. Is it about the dog? Or is it about the person just can't deal with the symptoms? I understand symptoms are inconvenient and we definitely, and they're a sign that something's out of balance and that we need to be addressing things. But yeah, if you just suppress them, I I like it, it drives me crazy. These like the serenia, these, you know, the anti-nausea dogs vomiting. It's like, you're just saying the dog's vomiting. It's got something in there that needs to come out, you know, and Right. You know, if a dog's vomiting once an hour or something like that's pretty serious. And, you know, we probably should be doing some imaging or something. We don't, it's not like it's okay to just let a dog vomit. But if all we're doing is treating that symptom, we're not getting to the bottom of what is that dog trying to get out of the body, then we're going to be missing something really, really crucial in the health, in the health of that dog, especially if they're like repeatedly, you know, vomiting, we need to get to the bottom of that. But if the quote unquote treatment is antibiotics and serenia, and I've seen this so many times, we're not getting to the bottom of why is this dog vomiting in the first place? Well, we're not, we're not helping the dog maybe in the short term, but we're not getting to the underlying issues of why, why is the dog vomiting? And what's it trying to get rid of? Um, you know, that's again, just going to get sicker. Yeah. And I think they hand out metronidazole like crazy. Oh yeah. Like crazy. So think about this. If your dog is vomiting, 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 and we're talking like you just said, once an hour, we can't hold down water. Maybe we need to be on fluids and maybe we need to do imaging. Right. And we'll go that direction first, but 
to try to suppress symptoms is not going to be in the best interest of your pets. And I'm telling you that that's what we see all the time. And then pet parents can't understand why their pets are not getting better. We right. have to- or when you switch, you know, I think a lot of what happens when you switch to a fresh food diet, like a raw diet. So they're on these toxic kibbles. They've been getting all these drugs. They've been having all their, their symptoms suppressed. And then you get them on a good diet and the body gets healthy. And it says, all right, now I got the energy. I can finally get all these toxins out of my body. And you get this big detox reaction. So you might get diarrhea. You might get skin flare up. It's just because the body's now healthy enough to try to get that stuff out. And you can't just keep suppressing that. You have to support that process. I mean, again, sometimes we need to mitigate symptoms if they get really severe, but you can get them through that. You can get the pets through that. And you you just have to see that for what it is. Again, it's asking the question, where, what is the symptom telling me? What, what is my pet's body telling me with the symptom, the symptoms are not the underlying cause. They're not the disease. They're not the condition like fever. You know, what, what, what's the knee jerk reaction when a person gets a cold, gets a fever, you take something, take the fever down because it feels crummy, but what your body needs is to allow that fever to cook things up, get all those enzymatic pathways amped up and help your body detox and resolve the situation. You know, I've no, I've known so many people that are like, they're sick all the time, you know, just every couple months, they got something going on. And why? It's because whenever they get sick, they just suppress the symptoms and they don't ever allow their body to completely eliminate what's causing the symptoms in the first place. The body knows how to heal and you have to allow that process to, to run its course, but that can mean, you know, you, you hear the term healing crisis, you know, it, it, you can get increases in symptoms as the body starts to heal. We have to work through that. You can't just do the need to oh, the food's wrong. The food's bad because, you know, my pet symptoms are worse, right? Because your pet was really messed up in the first place. And that just doesn't go away overnight. You know, one of the Chinese, um, herbal medicine veterinarians that I listened to, I've listened to a lot of uh, webinars, uh, Steve Marsden, you know, I think he says something like, you better plan on at least a month, month of treatment for every year that a condition has been going on. And he said, that's probably conservative. So something's been going on for a few years. You better just plan on months of getting, getting things under control. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping usually like in a month, we're at least have a sign that we're going the right direction. The resolution of symptoms typically does take months if pets have a lot of stuff going on, but at least in a month, usually we can tell, you know, if we're going the right direction, but you know, it, I, I now just tell people up front, you know, this could take months. So you gotta, you gotta stick with it. And, you know, we'll, we'll work with people through the process if they're patient enough to, to stick with it. But if you do the knee jerk back to conventional medicine, you know, um, your, yeah, your pet's just going to end up getting sicker. Well, and if you are confused, because I know there's a lot of information out there for certain there is, and you're getting it from a lot of different people, but 
that is what Dr. Judy Jasek is there for. You can sign up to do a telemedicine conference with her. Uh, you can do a Zoom call with her, regular phone. Um, go over to her site, which is ahavet.com. You always want a second opinion. If something just doesn't ring true, if the process seems like it's just going to put your dog in a more compromised position, if it's going to fill their body with a lot of toxins, and if the price tag is super duper high, <laughs> which we see that all the time, don't we, Dr. Jasek? Mm -hmm. um, it's not it's not bad to get a second opinion. It doesn't mean that you don't love your pet. It doesn't mean that if, if, if somebody, if, if you get a diagnosis and they say, well, we can do this surgery, we can do this and these scans and these tests and yeah, the price tag is going to be $10,000. It doesn't mean that you don't love your pet because if you were going to get a new car, if you were going to buy new furniture, if you were going to do, you would shop around. You would shop around and you would make sure that you're getting the best deal. And I'm not saying you're trying to get the best deal, but you want to know that you're getting the best advice. Right. You want to know if there's another alternative. Right. So, and, and, you know, like from, for us, like when you work with us here, we do have a different perspective. That's what we were just talking about. We think about things differently. We look at the body differently. We look at symptoms differently. So get another opinion, you know, it's your choice. But especially with expensive surgeries, as I've seen a lot of recommendations there that I think are are unnecessary, such as dogs have things like a torn ligament, like a torn ACL. And I've actually had people come and tell me they went in and the surgeon said, you know, that other one's going to blow out within a year. Let's just do them both at the same time. The other leg is perfectly fine. That is so unethical, in my opinion. And you're putting the dog through a needless surgery um, where you could be, you know, cause to address the painful leg, but then, okay, let's look at, I mean, I think ligament tears have nutrition at their base. The dogs are not getting proper nutrition to have healthy tendons and ligaments. That's what the issue is. So how about we address the painful leg, give people options there, but then how about if we get the dog on better nutrition so that that other one doesn't blow out? instead of putting animals through, through needless surgeries. But I see this stuff all the time and it's, it's just all money driven. I, I have no, there's no medical, there's no sound medical reasoning for a recommendation like that. None whatsoever. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, how about we don't do the surgery on their first knee and we treat it holistically. Right. Um, and uh, then we don't do either one of them. Right. I would rather go that way. than oh, go. absolutely. Uh, let's just do a surgery for just in case, you know, let's just take that knee and do something to it. And, and uh, yeah. Oh my God. Well, even just that, even just that statement. So they say that and I hear that all the time. Well, you know, if it happens in one leg, it's going to happen in the other leg. Well, are we asking why, like, why is that happening? Maybe there's something in the routine we need to change. Um, but don't, they don't think about that. Oh, it's just going to happen. You know, once, once one happens, the other one goes out. So may as well just get them both fixed. You know, like what if we talk about what can we do to, you know, strengthen those, those tendons and ligaments, you know, it just doesn't seem to preventative medicine just doesn't really um, show up in conventional medicine. At a, hardly ever. It, it's conventional medicine shines in emergency situations 
you know, your pet's sick, it needs fluids, you know, the vomiting pet needs fluids, it's dehydrated, they have to be stabilized. So for a couple of days to go that route, that's where it shines. Any kind of long-term care, preventative care, you know, forget it. They, they, none of conventional medicine works in those situations. Nope. Maybe temporarily, but not long-term, not from what we've seen. And, you know, it's so, it's so funny. Um, uh, well, I won't even go there. I just, you know, I hear things from pet parents all the time and I want to say, um, I wouldn't be making these recommendations on pure raw food if they were going to kill your pets. I just wouldn't do it now. Um, because it's just, we're, I always want to say this, we're actually in the pet health business. We just happen to sell food. Right. (laughs) That's right. You know, and, um, but I, but I hear it all the time. There's still that fear. There's still that narrative. Um, but typically what I see is raw species appropriate diets are the cleanest thing that people are putting in their pets, but they are the thing that people suspect the most. So the thinking is absolutely backwards. You have to be thinking, what are the toxins I'm putting in yearly? I'm putting in monthly. Okay. You got to think about that guys. And you can't keep doing that. There, there's no amount of raw food that's going to ever be able to uh, overtake all the toxins. Right. Yeah. Holistic treatments and natural treatments don't make up for the toxins. So it's, you know, I, I mean, I have worked with some clients that choose to do chemotherapy and their pets have cancer. And I just tell them, you know, I can't treat chemotherapy side effects with herbs. My treatment would be to stop the chemo, stop poisoning the body. And our results are going to be limited if the pet is going to be poisoned during the, you know, during our treatment protocol. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. There just is no natural way to counter poison. Stop poisoning them. It's just like a no brainer. Like don't put the poisons in their body in the first place. Right. Your dog has allergies. Your dog is itching. Stop giving them a kibble. Okay. Stop doing antibiotics just in case. Stop putting the poisons, as Dr. Jasek said, in the body. And you will see amazing results. The body is very resilient. But I think, Dr. Jasek, there comes a time when there is no turning back, when you have just done way too much damage. And it is amazing. Isn't it amazing? The body is amazing. Oh, absolutely. What What it can do. And the abuse the abuse that we Im, uh, impact on the body. I mean, I think about, you know, there's a lot of homeless people on the streets these days, right? No doubt. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what what city you're in. Um, and and I just think, how are these people surviving? Bad nutrition, a lot of drugs. Um, there's no shelter. There's probably not good sanitation. And yet these people are surviving. Um, the body is amazing, but we totally disrespect it, totally disrespect it, um, by just not adhering to the fact that we are poisoning it. Right. Right. And 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 the same thing for the dogs. Yeah. And eventually, like you said, it's, it's just gonna, it's gonna catch up. 
And then there's going to be a point of no return where the body just can't do it anymore. But, you know, when I see when we can catch pets, like even pets with cancer before they're, you know, too run down or people are already kind of realizing, okay, need to make some changes. And then they contact me and we do more stuff. And I just see absolute miracles. I see some cases turn around that I don't even know if we can help, but we go in and we try and I just see some, not all cases, but I see some that just turn around that would blow the minds of conventional veterinarians. And, and what are we doing? We're mostly taking things out. I was on the phone yesterday with a client, new cancer patient. He's like, well, this seems kind of simple. I said, well, it is kind of simple. We stop poisoning the pet. We stop giving all the things that are the potential problems. And then we start to add in support. The body knows what to do. I think the biggest key is to stop poisoning it. The body knows how to heal. And yeah, we add in things for support, but it's not about all the supplements you're adding in. It's about stopping the poison. That's that's the most important part. And then the body, it, it knows what to do. It's just, it's amazing when you see healing happen from that simple approach of like, let's just stop poisoning it feed it with good basic nutrition that gets you 80% of the way there. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure you have good water. And good water. Yes. <laughs> we'll, and we'll talk about that at another time, but um, you guys get over to Dr. Judy Jasek. It's at ahavet.com. Absolutely can advise you on the diet, on the medications, um, get a second opinion, alternative methods. And, how to work with your vet. If you want to stay with that vet, she can advise you on the questions to ask. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, I think it's invaluable. I think your pet deserves that second opinion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So get over to ahavet.com. Get your dog on a species appropriate diet. You got to get your basics down first. Stop poisoning your pet. I'm not going to, I, Listen, I I know there's a lot of people out there that say, well, you can mix kibble and raw and it's fine. I don't think it's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to beat you over the head, but I'm also not going to play into what's wrong with this raw food when you're continuing to add kibble. So don't don't email us and ask us those questions. We're always going to recommend strongly that you take the kibble out first and then yep. call us back. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Get over to raw dog food and company.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to raw dog food and company.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.